Well, as some of you may know, there was a bit of a meme going around online in the last couple of weeks that may have led to a question to you, probably by somebody who is on social media and probably uh, a woman asking her husband or a woman asking her brother. And the question was quite simple. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Because it, it turns out that women are shocked to find out how often some men think about the Roman Empire. My sister asked me when I was down visiting her in Atlanta uh, this week that I said several times a week. And I wasn't making a joke. I think about the Roman Empire a lot. And the, most of the time, this social media trend ends with shock at how often uh, our thoughts turn towards uh, SPQR and uh, the Roman legions and all of the things that the Roman Empire entail. Coming at it from a political point of view, from a military point of view, simply historical point of view. There's a lot of things that can surprise us about the thoughts of other people. And yet, as uh, foreign as the thoughts of other people may be to us, often it's a, a topic of great fascination. People say, penny for your thoughts. People want to know about the thoughts of other people. What are you thinking about? And certainly, it's something that occasionally takes on great importance. You're not just asking what they think about idly. You want to know what they're thinking about because it is a window into their heart. And we think about these things, we experience these things socially with one another, but sometimes I think we lose the importance of it in our own thoughts, in our own heart, in our own lives. Sometimes the thoughts of other people take on more importance to us than our own thoughts. And we read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 something that is very, very important for us to think about. Something very important for us to not only think about in passing as we talk tonight, but to think about on an ongoing basis. Because we're reading here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 about our weapons. Now this is very important. I've talked about this before because the weapons that we choose and the weapons that we employ tell us a lot about our enemy. And throughout military history, we've seen how many great armies can be defeated because they chose weapons or chose to invest in weapon systems that were completely, completely inadequate to deal with the type of enemy they were facing. And we, as Christians, again, I've mentioned this before, often become invested in weapons that are not only unavailing, but actually harmful to us because we have a wrong idea of who our enemies are. And quite simply, it's because we begin to think that we do wrestle against flesh and blood. And if our enemies are flesh and blood, if our enemies are human beings, if our enemies are things that are tangible, then of course it makes sense that our weapons against those things would also be tangible. If we think primarily somebody were to ask you, what are you fighting against, and your answer were to be political, then of course the weapons that you would be seeking to employ would be political. It makes sense. If it is human to human, my enemy, if I truly admit it, is that person right there. Well, maybe that takes 
takes the form of some form of gossip or some form of simply internalized bitterness. There's a whole variety of different answers that we can have. But we know in Scripture that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our enemy is spiritual. Our enemy is quite simply the devil. And therefore, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not tangible. And we read this in context with the verse that I'm going to focus tonight. Now again, it's, this verse is, perhaps we've memorized it before, but I, I think it's good to keep coming back to, to, allowing it, to allow it to sink down into our understanding. Let's start with verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That's, that's, that's a challenge right there, an understanding that our war is not after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual towards the pulling down of spiritual strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I'm going to focus tonight on the weapons that we use against the enemy that can be our own thoughts. The enemy that can be our own thoughts. And sometimes we don't even recognize this as an enemy. We don't even recognize the importance of uh, and the danger that comes from our own thought life. And number two, I'm going to examine and, and get into what the scripture talks about. But before we get into this, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this, this thy word that you have given to us. Lord, I thank you that we can rely on it. Lord, I thank you that we can not simply rely on it, but Lord, I thank you that we can dive into it. Lord, that there's so much richness in your word that even one small passage could be preached on for, for months. Lord, I pray that you would give me uh, uh, the words that you would have me to say, and Lord, that all of our hearts would be focused on you tonight. In your name, amen. All right, as we get into this, I have to, I, I've mentioned this a couple of times, there are occasionally messages that I preach that don't really involve things that I am tempted by or that really are to me. That's pretty rare, but it occasionally sometimes happens. This is not one of those messages. When we're talking about taking every thought into captivity, this is one that applies to me very strongly, and it might even apply to me tonight. As some of you may know, I'm, I'm heading up to trial, which starts tomorrow morning in Moorhead, Minnesota. And so, even in preparation, as I was preparing for this message tonight, I was having to practice what I was me meditating on and reading on to understand and to appreciate the importance of taking thoughts captive so that it be directed towards what God had placed on my plate and not distracted by things that are in the future. And I think each one of us probably at various times can think of that, uh, can understand the temptation that comes with that and the necessity of taking into captivity every thought. In fact, it even uh, brought to my mind an exercise. If you feel called to do so, you can, you can do it. But I, I thought that it might be interesting for you tonight. If you're taking notes, while you're listening to the, the sermon tonight, just jot down any time your thoughts drift off and what they drift to. Just jot down what those are. 
And what I would encourage you to do is throughout the week, when you're engaging in quiet time, when you're engaging in something where you're uh, supposed to be fully, fully engaged with God and his word, jot down what thoughts are distracting you, what thoughts are coming into your mind. Because that will tell you a lot about your own heart. Our thoughts are reflective of what we care about. Our thoughts are, just as our fears are reflective of what we love, our thoughts are reflective of what we fear, what we love, what exercises us, what causes our hearts to stir. Now, this passage here is talking about the necessity of taking every ca- into captivity every thought because in the context of warfare, in, co- in the context of battle. And we as Christians are called to be soldiers. Throughout Scripture, this is a metaphor that is used quite often. Now, of course, this can be and has been misapplied to the concept of Christians as soldiers in a physical way. Of course, this passage itself demonstrates the lie to that concept. It's not saying that Christians cannot be soldiers in armed forces, but it's to say that we as Christians, our battle, our warfare, is not uh, against human enemies. It's not against tangible enemies. And we see that elsewhere in Scripture. But we also see elsewhere in Scripture, in Ephesians, the, war, the weapons of our warfare. Here it's said that they are not carnal. That is to say they are not of this world. And we see what they are elsewhere in Scripture, in Ephesians. Uh, and each of those things that we see described are, in fact, spiritual weapons. They are spiritual weapons because we face spiritual enemies. Now, why is this topic of thought, of our mind, being spoken about in the context of battle? It's because in order for us to take into captivity every thought, that is something that requires constant battle. This is our minds and our hearts, once we become a Christian, are a battleground. They're a battleground because as much as we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and therefore we have the power to fight, we also, until the end of our life, will also have the necessity to fight. Because we know that we have an old man nature that warreth against the Spirit in our lives. And we know Probably, I would believe, every one of us here, from experience, times in which that battle has really felt like an actual physical battle almost in our thoughts. And this can uh, come in a whole host of different ways. Sometimes when we talk about our thought life, we're thinking about it in one or two very specific examples. Sometimes thought life uh, is used as a form of Uh, uh, kind of in passing reference to our thought life in regards to lust. And so people will talk about their thought life when they don't want to get specific on their battles internally with lustful thoughts. And of course, that is a battleground. And anyone who's dealt with that battleground has known how much of a battle and how much warfare there is when you have a lustful nature that is battling against your spiritual nature and, and the uh, difficulty in keeping your thoughts in captivity in that way. 
And that is an easy thing to think about in terms of battling because I think each one of us would acknowledge that scripturally uh, a dwelling in, on lustful thoughts would be something that would be wrong, something that is very easy for Christians to reject, at least uh, with their words. But there's a whole host of other thoughts that, of course, are uh, wrong, that are sinful, that are destructive, that are, in fact, instead of being in captivity to us in obedience to Christ, are, in fact, placing us into captivity, that are, in fact, placing us in captivity in disobedience to Christ. I thought it was fascinating as I was looking through to prepare for this message that this is something that Jesus talked about, and I hadn't really noticed the order of these things before, but if you turn to Mark chapter 7, uh, uh, Jesus is explaining something very important, where evil comes from. Now, why is it that we tend to focus on flesh and blood enemies? Because tangible problems tend to be easier to solve. We understand them better, and it seems much simpler to confront them. It seems much simpler to confront external things, in fact, as well, than internal things. And Jesus is explaining a parable to his disciples, and he says in verse 20, and he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man, as opposed to, of course, that, that which cometh to, to inside uh, cometh to the man from the external. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. Now, if we look at those lists, uh, that list and those uh, various sins that are on this list, Generally, we tend to skip over evil thoughts. We tend to skip over evil thoughts because just as we tend to focus on external enemies and flesh and blood enemies, we also tend to discount the weight of the sinfulness of evil thoughts. In the same way uh, that we tend to uh, also discount e the evil of a whole host of internal things. And Jesus would say this uh, and preach this quite often. He would say that if you lust after a woman, it's the same as committing adultery. Now, why is it that we treat one of those things more seriously than the other? Because one of those things has an external component to it, an actual tangible uh, act to it, and also a tangible effect to it, and probably more tangible consequences as well. And our carnal nature is to focus on things in terms of short-term, tangible consequences. And so therefore, thoughts that come into our mind, which nobody else knows about, which don't affect anyone else's opinion of us, which don't affect our life in the same way that it would be if we were unfaithful to our spouse, do not seem as serious, serious to us. But Jesus takes this very seriously. And what he is saying here is that evil thoughts defile. This is something that he takes seriously. And this is something that, therefore, is part of our warfare. Ultimately, our warfare 
is against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Not human beings, but against the spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual realm, against the devil. And evil thoughts are one of the tools that the devil uses against us. And it is something that we, uh, that is often more uh, useful for the devil because we don't recognize the importance and the danger of those thoughts. As I said, there are, we think about this in terms of lust, but of course, there's a whole host of other types of thoughts that we can think. There's certainly, there's thoughts of anxiety or fear. The Bible's filled with the command to fear not. And often, perhaps you have been at a time where anxiety or where fear or where a dread of some kind is ruling in you and where you are feeling an actual battle against those thoughts to try to get victory over them. There's a whole host of other ones. Anger, thoughts of anger, thoughts of bitterness that are directed towards another, another person where you could say, I recognize that this is not right, but it's a battle to bring those thoughts into captivity. A battle perhaps that uh, certainly in your own flesh you would not be able to prevail in, but that sometimes, as try as you might, you feel yourself failing in this area. Well, there's a whole host of others. Thoughts of covetousness, thoughts of greed, thoughts of envyings. You go down the whole, the, the, the list of all of the various commandments that, uh, that we are told to follow, and so many of them, I would say all of them, have at heart a thought component, and usually we take that thought component much less uh, seriously than we ought. The final one I want to bring up in terms of thoughts is pride, is pride. And pride in two different main ways. There's the pride that comes from secret thoughts of, of being higher or nobler or more glorious than the people around us. Thoughts that, oh, well, I would never say that because, of course, then I would seem stuck up. Even the act of not saying your prideful thoughts is, in fact, a measure of pride. But also the, uh, the form of twisted pride that comes from carrying guilt and shame when you have been released from it by God's forgiveness. There's a whole host of these thought patterns, and the thought patterns will differ from person to person, depending on what sins you are more tempted by, depending on what avenues the devil is trying to tempt you in currently. But each one of us, I would wager, at, the, at some point this week, are going to be tempted in this area. Now. How do we fight, again, fight this battle? How do we fight this battle? Well, the first way that we fight this battle is quite simple. And that is by recognizing the existence of the enemy and the power of the weapons at our disposal. In other words, the first thing that we need to acknowledge and the first thing that we need to come into an understanding and a... Uh, a zealous desire for is that these thoughts be in captivity. That's the first thing. We need a desire for pure hearts and a desire for thoughts that are directed towards God. 
And the first thing that will help us do that is to recognize the seriousness of this battleground. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death. Okay? Well, if you've got a choice between carnal mindedness, being having a thought life that is not in line with what God wants you to think, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace, well, this seems like a battle worth fighting. The second thing that we need to recognize is not only the importance of this battle, but also the identity of our enemy. I think it's useful for us to understand and acknowledge that when these thoughts are flooding in, yes, they are uh, springing from our lower nature, they are springing from our sin nature, but ultimately these are thoughts that are from the wicked one. These are temptations from the wicked one. This, this is a battle that we need to engage in. And I think in a whole host of different ways, it's very, the devil loves to put messages in our ear and make, them, make us think that we ourselves are the one thinking it. And that is something that we need to understand, that we are fighting uh, strongholds. Strongholds here is uh, used to describe the devil and his armed forces, as it were. We are fighting a spiritual battle against the world, the external culture, but also our internal flesh, our internal desires, all at the, uh, at the direction of the devil. The third thing we have to recognize and understand is the, uh, the weapons at our disposal. And I think that this is where we, should, we ought to turn over to Ephesians and take a look at this. Now, I've been mentioning this on multiple occasions. Now we will see it in context. The scriptural principle that our enemies are not tangible, are not flesh and blood. And we see this, so we'll start in verse 10 of chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What are we seeing here? A recognition of our enemy. We are fighting against the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's our enemy. That's the importance of the struggle that we have taken on. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. What are we seeing here described? The armor, that is to say, both the defenses and the weapon of a Christian. That is a Christian's weapon system, is described here in Ephesians chapter 6. And as we read this, what we are reading as well is the weapons that we ought to use and that we have available to use to carry out the mission that we were reading about there in 2 Corinthians. The mission 
to take into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And the reason I say that is because this is not a message uh, imploring you to use your willpower to redirect your thoughts. That is something that would be, quite frankly, impossible for you to do. It might be possible at various discrete times, but at times where you really need it, that will will fail you because that will is ultimately carnal. That will is ultimately simply a product of your physical body, as it were. It is not spiritual. It is not, uh, even uh, as it can be directed by the Spirit, it is the Spirit that will give you the actual ability to bring into captivity every thought. And when we see this mission, we, we must see that the only way to fulfill it, as I said, is to use these tools at our disposal. Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and prayer. What are we seeing here? Well, what we're seeing here is a beautiful picture of the weapons that God has given to us. And the weapons that God has given to us specifically in relation to what takes place within our heart and what takes place within our thoughts. When we are looking at that list, we are seeing uh, the various components that we can use when we are engaged in a battleground uh, surrounding our thoughts. And as I said, that battleground can manifest itself in so many different ways. So many different ways that I can't possibly begin to get into all of them tonight. Because there are uh, as many thoughts as there are available to think, there are sinful thoughts that are available to think. As many uh, desires as there are that exist, as many things that motivate you in your heart, as many temptations as you possibly have, that all of those things can be engaged in tempting you uh, by the devil to... Uh, to be in disobedience to Christ. And so therefore, my encouragement to each one of us is first of all to acknowledge the importance of this uh, requirement. First of all, ask yourself, ask yourself, would I be able to say that I take into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ? Well, maybe some of you. I would say that if you are able to, if you are, were to say to me, yes, James, I've taken into captivity every thought, I would say maybe consider whether you take into captivity every prideful thought. Uh, but if you, are, if you are examining this, I would uh, believe that more than likely, like myself, you would also look at this and say, this is an area in which I need God's help. And not only do I need God's help in a general sense, but I need God's help every hour. I need God's help constantly because my heart is wicked. My heart, when left to its own devices, can be redirected in a whole host of different ways. And therefore, I need to appreciate the importance of bringing into captivity every thought. Why? Because that is what obedience to Christ looks like. Obedience to Christ, again, this is temptation we have. Obedience to Christ, sometimes to us, we think of in an external sense. 
I am obedient to Christ because I read my Bible a certain amount of time this morning and I got up and went to church and I didn't do that thing I really thought about doing all day and wanted to do, but I didn't do it. So boy, am I walking in obedience to Christ. You know, somebody cut me off in traffic and I was really had a lot of terrible things that came to my mind and I stewed about it all the way home, but I did not honk at that person. So I'm, I am walking in obedience of Christ obedience to Christ. Well, no, that's not what the Bible says. Are we taking this seriously? Number one. Number two, are we taking this seriously in understanding the, uh, the two different sides in every one of those battles? The battle that goes on internally in us, are we fully understanding and ascribing the, the, not simply the stakes, but also the parties, the two people involved? When's the last time when a thought has come into your head, have you rejected and said, get thee behind me, Satan? I know that's of the evil one. I know that's not, that's not of God. That's of the evil one. It's a lot easier. Maybe you guys have heard of the concept of intrusive thoughts. I'm not sure if any of you guys have this. But if I stand up on, uh, stand up on a high place, you know, whenever I go out on the balcony, 31 floors up downtown uh, at my uh, office building. Like 90% of the time, I just think, boy, I could jump over this right now. Do I want to jump over it? No. <laughs> or I'm driving and I go, I could drive into the other lane of traffic right now. Do I want to? No. It's just some weird intrusive thought. Well, guess what? If we thought about the temptation thoughts that came into our mind in the same way, just go, where's that coming from? No, no. That is of the devil, rejecting it. I think that that would go a long way towards us understanding and appreciating the battles that we must engage in. And finally, finally, what, is, what are the weapons that we use? If, we, if the weapons that we use are either trying to ignore that thought or engaging in that thought but just not talking about it so no one else knows about it, or trying simply to just try hard not to think about it, well, then we're not going to be successful because we are not using the weapons that we've been given for that purpose. This is something that God desires to have us do. Now, in the, the, uh, in the context of this passage, Paul is talking about a whole host of things in the church. And he is talking about... Uh, his, uh, his own presence, his word written down. And yet this little uh, passage, this little kind of aside in the middle of this, of this passage here, really sprung up to me. And so this is something that I am going to, after having looked at this, really take an effort to incorporate with God's grace and with God's power in my own life. And I hope that you will as well, because this is something that is a part of obedience to Christ, and I hope that you will seek him and bring into captivity every thought, whatever thought that may be that tempts you.